Hello fellow adventurers and welcome to the Nerd Lab, where we transform our gaming passion into incredible game designs and learn how to nerd like a boss. My name is Marvin and I'm an ambitious game designer on my quest to develop a cooperative fantasy card game. For this podcast, my vision is to take you with me on this exciting journey. Together we will explore the secrets of different game mechanics and reach the next level as a game designer. In today's podcast episode, we are dealing with a topic that made me ponder and sometimes even despair during the last week. It's about dividing game elements into logically connected groups. In other words, how can I divide my cards into different factions or colors? I was wondering if my game even needs factions. And if so... How many? Why do you need a distinguishing criteria like a color system in card games? And what influence does that have on the other aspects of a game like deck building, restrictions or the resource system? These are the questions that I'll try to answer today. And as always, to do so, we will take a look at other games like Magic the Gathering, Keyforge or Pathfinder the card game to learn how they incorporated a color or faction system into their games. Time to update our quest log. I have spent countless hours this week to streamline the core mechanics of my game. Now I'm at a point at which I'm quite happy with them. I did some kind of rapid prototyping where I playtested my game on my own and created and changed cards and mechanics on the fly using pen and paper. During this process I thought about co-op mechanics, which should promote the cooperation in the team. One mechanic, which I will probably talk more about next week, combines cards from different players using a color code. For example, a player can play a red card that has a free green slot. Another player can then support this red spell with a green reaction card to enhance the effect of the card or add additional effects. One situation that has occurred during testing is that the tank has taunted a large part of the enemies in order to then carry out an actually weak attack on all the enemies engaged with him in combat. This weak attack had three free slots, however, what enabled the other players to assist it with multiple reaction cards so that almost all the enemies were eliminated with a single attack. So through teamwork, the three imaginary players achieved a result that exceeded the sum of their individual cards, exactly what I wanted to achieve with the mechanic. So the mechanic worked out really well and it led to interesting choices and decisions. The only problem was I didn't actually have a system to assign my cards to a color or faction yet. That's why I dedicated today's episode exactly to this topic. The goal is to divide my cards into different factions, groups, playstyles or colors that then can easily be combined for my mechanic. But that's not the only reason to have factions or colors in your game. So let's try to dig a little bit deeper and find out why we should have uh, factions at all. And now, the side quest. At the current state of my project, I'm getting to the point where handwriting a bunch of cards feels really, really cumbersome. So I looked into some supportive tools to generate cards. The most professional option is um, 
an automated process using InDesign, but I'm not very firm using vector image tools and I didn't want to spend time to learn it now. In the end, I decided to use Nandek, a free tool instead. At the first look, Nandek looks a little bit outdated because the user interface is not as pretty as most of us are used to nowadays. But from its functionality, it does exactly what I was looking for. Using a Google or Excel spreadsheet as an input file to automatically create a printable version of my entire list of cards. Of course, you have to tell the program where every spreadsheet column value should be placed and which card template it should use. But for this, Nandek is actually quite easy. Um, it has a visual and a coding editor and it took me about an hour or so to get to a point where I was able to print my entire list of cards. My cards are not super beautiful, mostly because I have no nice template yet, but uh, the process is functional and I can now make changes within seconds. In the show notes, I linked some YouTube videos that helped me to get started with Nandek. You should probably check them out if you want to do that well. If I compare this process to how I did it in the past using the tabletop simulator, uh, where every change took me several minutes or sometimes hours, the usage of Nandek has uh, tremendously impacted the speed at which I can create prototypes. So if I had to summarize my prototype creation process, I would do it as follows. Step one uh, would be trying out the core mechanics by using pen and paper prototyping. And once I have a rough idea of how the mechanics should work, I would go to step two, uh, creating a list of cards in a Google spreadsheet. And step three would be to print these cards using uh, Nandek. And once I um, have the feeling that my cards are almost final and I want to um, playtest it with a larger audience or people that are yeah, far away, I would uh, create a digital version for Tabletop Simulator. I have also read that Nandek uh, supports uh, output for Tabletop Simulator, but I have not tried that yet, so I cannot tell anything about it. And now for you, the main quest. Most card games, even standard playing cards, do use colors to divide the set of cards into smaller subsets. But often they aren't called colors, but elements, factions or guilds. When I first thought about a color or a faction system in my game, I was just overwhelmed. Why? Because there were so many unanswered questions and so many dependencies that all came to my mind at the same time. Let me give you some examples of the questions I asked myself. How many factions do I actually need or do I need them at all? How do I decide what a faction actually is? And what should colors represent in my game? Different guilds? different kind of elements, different emotions, feelings or motives. In my game, I differentiate between physical, mental and social skills. Maybe these are a good way to separate the cards into colors? I don't know. But these were not even all the questions and relations I tried to process uh, regarding the color identity of my cards. I also asked myself which role different character classes play in that sense or um, which game mechanics belong to which faction. 
And where do the factions get their resources from? And what kind of roles and playstyles do I want to distinguish in my game? And what influence do the factions or colors have on deck building restrictions and resource systems? All of these questions are a subset of the question how to divide the cards into different groups. We could divide the cards by theme or we could divide them by mechanics. But in the end, we need both mechanics and theme to be in harmony. But where do we start? With the theme or the mechanics? Top down or bottom up? As you can probably already hear from all these questions, I was a little lost in all the dependencies here. That's why I tried to break the topic down into smaller parts in order to analyze it and design it step by step. Therefore, we will start by looking at uh, the reasons why we should divide our card game into different factions and colors. Uh, and then follow it up with um, the question how many factions are actually advisable and what are best practices to design a faction. So let's get started right away with uh, the reasons why we should divide our card games into factions and colors. Factions make games interesting by adding flavor and grouping different playstyles under one banner. As a game designer, they give you a framework that supports you in designing mechanics and cards for each faction. But let's go through the entire list step by step. I've come up with six reasons why you should have a faction system in your game. Reason one, factions create a distinguishing characteristic. First of all, you get some kind of optical diversity in your game. This is helpful for players to order cards in their hand, by color for example, on the battlefield or also during deck building. But more important here is that you can reference the faction or the color in your game mechanics. This means you create new design space because you can create cards that work only with or only against a certain color. This is very nice because you can create situative cards that have some restrictions on them which then leads to interesting choices during gameplay and during deck building. Reason 2. Factions help you to create restrictions. Our main goal as a game designer is to create mentally challenging tasks for our players. And one key method to do that is to restrict the tools our players have available to solve the challenges we throw in their way. To create a restriction you could easily attach a faction to a resource to limit uh, any one deck from having access to uh, the entire card pool of your game. This forces interesting deck building choices and limits the tools every single deck has access to. But you do not only have restrictions during deck building, you also have restrictions during gameplay. Imagine a situation in Magic the Gathering where you have a lot of uh, red cards in your hand but only limited uh, red mana available on the battlefield. You then have to make a decision between the red cards in your hand. You cannot play all of them with the limited mana available. Or imagine another situation in, in, in Keyforge, for example, where you have a lot of uh, cards in play from one faction but a lot of cards in your hand from another faction. This leaves you with an interesting choice of uh, which house to choose because uh, either you choose the one uh, with the cards on the battlefield or the one with the cards in your hand. If there weren't a color restriction or house restriction, um, you could play all of the cards from your hand or you could activate all the cards in Keyforge. I think both games would be much worth without the corresponding restrictions. 
This brings us to reason three why you should have factions in your game. Because factions define flavor. Factions help you to create a thematic identity with which players can engage. Factions also can create a story. Even if the story is told outside of the actual gameplay, players can see clear conflicts between different factions. This can help you to draw the players into your world and create player engagement. In Magic, the flavor aspect is even one of the most important roles of the color pie. In the color pie, flavor dictates function. What this means is that the flavor tells function what it can do and what it cannot do. It clarifies each color's philosophy and then extends them to the game by bending mechanics around it. If you want to create interesting stories around your faction, you should probably define conflicting motives and priorities for your factions. And I think it's very helpful to have a very strong guild leader um, or a strong personality um, as a faction leader with compelling background story that helps um, the people to remember the faction and to identify with it. Reason 4. Factions help to summarize a certain playstyle. Not only the flavor can be attached to a faction, but also a certain playstyle. Diversity in playstyles is the general goal here. You want each faction to feel different. To define a certain playstyle, it helps to create um, clear mechanical strength and weaknesses for each faction. This is useful both for the players to know how to approach the game and for you as a designer so you know how to craft the mechanics in a balanced and interesting way. This brings us directly to the, the fifth reason why you should have factions in your game because they help you to create game balance. And in every game, at least in the competitive ones, game balance is very important. There shouldn't be a dominant strategy and every deck should be beatable. Every archetype therefore needs its strength and its weaknesses. And as a game designer you can use the faction to define not only what the faction can do but also what they cannot do. Thereby you can build weaknesses into each, let's say, color of your game. In Magic, for example, um, each color has a certain card type that it cannot easily deal with. In Magic, red has, for example, a very hard time to deal with enchantments. And the last reason to have factions in your game is that they can be a guideline for your development process. If you have clearly defined motives, playstyles, strengths and weaknesses for your factions, it gets way easier to create new mechanics and cards because your guidelines restrict what you can do as a designer. Your design space of each particular color is more restricted in that way. What? I don't want to restrict my design space, you may say. But what you do here is uh, you restrict your design space perfection, not your overall design space for your game. That helps you to um, create mechanics and cards that uh, follow a clear philosophy of, of each faction and yeah, make it easier for your, for your players to engage with, with one faction. By now you probably understood why most of the games have color identities or factions. But how are the factions actually implemented in these games and 
how many factions do these games have and what do they stand for. Let's have a look at some examples. And we should probably start with the elephant in the room, Magic the Gathering. Magic has five colors, white, blue, black, red and green, which together are called the color pie or the color wheel. Um, let me quote Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic here, as he can describe the colors of Magic way better than I ever could. The color system is one of the game's most fundamental and iconic elements. It gives the game diversity in its cards, effects and play styles, while preventing any one deck from having every tool in the game. But there is even more. Each color signifies an ideological faction whose culture defines the flavor and gameplay of its cards, as well as its relation with the other colors. Each color has its own means and motivation for doing battle in magic, which tie into its strengths and weaknesses and yeah, unique mechanics. If you have never seen the color pie from magic, I strongly recommend to have a look at the, at the graphic. Um, I provided a link in the show notes as usual. It is, from my point of view, it is the best implementation of faction and color design I've ever seen in a game. What fascinates me the most about Magic's color pie is the way the designers tied emotions and motives, not only to the colors, but also to almost all of their mechanics they create. Red, for example, is very impulsive and driven by emotions and chaos. Therefore, the color gets mechanics that have more random results than other colors, where you have to flip a coin, for example. These kind of effects wouldn't fit into white, for example, as this color is about structure and order. The second game I wanted to talk about is Eternal, a digital card game in the style of Magic and Hearthstone. There are also five factions that work the same way as the five colors in Magic do. Red, for example, is um, called Fire and is the faction of creation and destruction and most problems can be handled with quick and violent solutions. Justice is the color green and it's the faction of order, both in civic harmony and brutal tyranny. Blue stands for primal and is the faction of nature. Purple stands for shadow and is the faction of uh, ambition and instinct. And the last faction is uh, time, uh, which is the yellow color. And it's the faction about learning and discovery. Knowledge is key for this, for this faction. But why do I mention Eternal as a game here? Isn't it quite similar to Magic? Yes, it is, but it is a little bit different as well. Every one of us associates certain characteristics and emotions with a color. And these are extremely influenced by our social, cultural and religious context in which we live. And this is also why it is extremely difficult to find colors for your factions uh, that feel right for everyone. In the case of Eternal, it feels strange for me that green is not the color for the primal faction, for example. Um, because it, green for me stands for nature. Um, yeah, but maybe I'm the only one thinking that way. The only advice I have for this is to build on what people already know and are familiar with. If you need a color for a specific character or a specific spell... Research how other games have done it in the past and uh, follow the common patterns. In regard to Eternal, 
I have the feeling that they want to make it different than magic. Um, and it just doesn't feel right for me. Sometimes you you have to use what people already know and are familiar with. And if it comes to colors associated to skills or emotions or motives or characters, I think you should stick with common sense here. The next game I wanted to mention is Keyforge. Uh, Keyforge consists of seven factions and they call them houses. And each house has their own flavor and playstyle. House Probna is about fighting with big creatures. House Dis is very good at messing with its opponent's stuff. House Logos has more card draw than the others and makes heavy use of the archive mechanic. House Mars relies most heavily on its infection combos. And House Sanctum has creatures that are very tough to break down due to their high armor values. House Shadow doesn't produce much of its own ember, but steals a lot of them of ember from the opponent. House Untamed is about having a lot of creatures and improve them with spells. So each house has its own playstyle. And it is important to mention here that every deck contains three houses. That means there are 35 possible combinations of houses. And I'm not aware that there are special names or story for each of these combinations. In Magic, on the other hand, every color combination has its own identity as well. Guild leader or story. But we should not forget that Magic is more than 25 years old and Keyforge not, not even half a year. But I could totally see them defining each house combination as well in the future. However, it seems more difficult due to the immense number of different combinations. On the other side, Magic also has 10 two-color guilds, 10 three-color guilds and 5 four-color guilds. If Keyforge is sticking around for the next 25 years, I'm pretty sure they will figure out a way. The next game I want to talk about is Artifact, which is a digital card game for Dota 2. In Artifact, the board is divided up into three lanes, each with its own pool of mana to spend on cards. A tower represents a player's life points and the player who destroys two of the three towers wins. But what is about colors in factions? In Artifact each player controls five heroes. These heroes also determine what cards you can play, where and when, depending on what color they have. Cards fall into one of four colors, red, blue, black or green. And each color comes with its own playstyle as well. For example, blue is about controlling the battlefield through dealing damage or changing positions. It is intelligent and agility based. Black is about hoarding as much gold as possible. And um, it is a little bit siege focused. It's about cunningness and assassinations. Green is about ramping up mana and buffing units. It's, I would say, a hybrid of strength and agility. Red is uh, the class of direct fighting and duels. It has the most powerful strength-based heroes and most spells affect combat in, in, in a certain way. The colors feel different enough to encourage identity but yet synergistic enough that they can 
easily be combined together into a cohesive deck. A blue-green deck could focus on controlling the board, whereas a red-green tactic could be to create unbeatable heroes um, and send them to battle. What I think is special in Artifact is the fact that heroes are the centerpiece of each deck. They act much like a faction leader, as I mentioned before. They come with their own story, their own special ability and their own set of cards that they add to your deck. And as a player it is quite easy to develop a preference for a certain hero and associate a specific playstyle with that hero. Even if that hero is only a small part of your deck that is necessary for that playstyle. This hero-centered faction is also comparable to the commander format in Magic the Gathering, in which every player chooses one legendary creature to represent the commander of his deck. The commander does not only determine which colors are allowed in the deck, but also is usually the centerpiece of the entire game tactic. The popularity of the commander format is another indication for me that players really like to represent their deck with a strong faction leader. The next game I wanted to mention is Lord of the Rings, the living card game. In Lord of the Rings, players also command several heroes. However, colors are a little bit different. Each hero has an emphasis in one of four spheres. The four spheres are leadership, lore, spirit and tactics. And each of the spheres has its own distinct flavor, identity and color. Let me give you an example of the sphere leadership. Leadership emphasizes the charismatic and inspirational influence of a hero and that hero's potential to lead, inspire and command both allies and other heroes alike. A hero's sphere creates a restriction by dictating the types of cards that hero allows a player to use. Each turn the player adds a resource token to each hero. You can then use these tokens to cast spells of the respective spheres. By that the hero does not only restrict the deck building but is also um, the resource for casting your spells so it restricts the gameplay as well. The next game is Dragonfire. Dragonfire is a D&D deck building card game. And the color identity is the most important aspect of the game, I would say. Each card belongs to one of four colors representing a class type. Devotion is green and represents a cleric. Arcane is blue and represents a wizard. Deception is red and represents a rogue. And Martial is black and represents a fighter. As part of the gameplay, you need specifically colored cards to defeat enemies. For example, you could face an enemy that requires you to deal 3 black damage and 2 blue damage. In addition, some effects, card abilities and adventure rules can also refer to the four class types. I can't say exactly why, but somehow the colors in the game don't feel meaningful enough to me. In the end, you only look at who has red damage or who has green damage without worrying too much about the actual flavor of the spell. It's hard to describe, but somehow the color model in the game lacks something you can really identify with. 
for me the colors are used a little bit too placative um, they they seem very dominant instead of being a supporting tool to transport the flavor but maybe it's more because of the very simple combat system and not so much because of the division of the deck into character classes and colors the next game i want to talk about is pathfinder um, and i think it's quite similar in aventuria as well the cards in pathfinder in a deck are distinguished by card type instead of a faction Each card can be a weapon, a spell, armor, an item, an ally or a blessing. And each character comes with a list that determines the exact quantity of card types your character deck must contain. This categorization by item type creates deck building restrictions but delivers relatively little flavor. The last game for today is Star Realms. In Star Realms, each of the cards in the trade deck is a ship or a base belonging to one of four factions. The Trade Federation, the Blobs, the Star Empire or the Machine Cult. The faction is important for the ally ability some cards have. This is an additional effect on a card that triggers whenever a card with a matching faction enters play. Once triggered, they can be used any time during your main phase. Star Realms is a typical deck building game and by adding factions to cards, players are rewarded if they acquire many cards of the same faction from the marketplace. I've seen the same mechanic also um, in other deck building games like World of Tanks. This is also an example of how factions can later be referenced by mechanics. And finally, the conclusion. Okay, that's it for today. In the beginning, I was overwhelmed. But by breaking down the six reasons why it is useful to have factions, it became easier for me to evaluate my ideas. So let me repeat the six reasons for you. The first one is that factions create a distinguishing characteristic that can be referenced by your mechanics. The second one is that factions create restrictions in deck building and resource management. And factions also can define your flavor and your story. And factions also summarize a certain playstyle and help your players to engage with that playstyle. Uh, factions can also uh, create game balance. And last but not least, they are a guideline for your development process. If you are starting to brainstorm about your faction design, I would recommend defining the playstyles you want to support in your game. This could be something like control, acro or midrange. Or this could be something like tanking, healing, dealing damage or casting spells. Or something like board control or hand management. Then you could design your factions and mechanics to fit that certain archetype. You can also think about sources of power for each faction, something like water, fire, earth or wind. Or you could divide your factions by their motives or emotions. When it comes to the number of factions, I would recommend to stay in the 3 to 7 range. At least this is the range all our examples are in today. 
and also consider if you want factions to be combined or not. From my point of view, the most important aspect when it comes to faction design is that your factions need to feel distinct in how the cards look and more important, how the cards play. The more different one faction is from another one, the better. Your factions should be unique. And an easy tip to achieve this is to create at least one unique mechanic for each faction. And if possible also a unique disadvantage. This will help your players to engage with your faction. So that's everything for today. If you want to get in touch, visit my website at nerdlikeaboss.com or find me on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook with the hashtag nerdlikeaboss. Thank you very much for listening and until next week, keep shooting for the moon and nerd like a boss.